Hello, and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Thank you for inviting me to be part of your journey. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. I've been lucky enough to spend some time in the company of other pilgrims this last week. It reminded me of the joy we bring to one another's lives, and it reminds me of the spirit it conjures up in all of us. And someone wrote to me to say, they listen each week as it's almost like they're visiting or staying in an albergue. They said, I'm like the hospitalero. (laughs) I don't know about that. But what I do know is the Camino provides us with an opportunity to be our best selves, the best version of ourselves. We can reach out to others to lend a hand, to treat blisters, to provide a blanket, to carry a pack, to provide a meal, to share a prayer or two, to be that someone who is in the right place at the right time. They're often called Camino Angels. Well, if being a Camino Angel is about being the best version of ourselves, sign me up for wings. The Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage, and pilgrims have walked for centuries to the majestic cathedral in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela. The remains of Christ's apostles and James are in a crypt beneath the cathedral. Indeed, Santiago de Compostela translates to St. James under a field of stars. Pilgrims live simply. You carry a pack on your back with some toiletries, a change of clothes, perhaps some wet weather gear, and that's about it. You carry in your heart your intention for walking. You carry in your soul the intentions of the millions of pilgrims who have walked before you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are humble pilgrims here, eager to welcome you, to reach out to say you'll always find safe lodging with us. Your intentions are safe here. And I've been reading a lot of the Irish poet William Butler Yeats recently. One of his poems took my breath away. A pilgrim lives simply, and we don't need much. We strive to live, I suppose, without trappings, so we can sort of be free in a way, and it strikes me it's a kind of devoted austerity to try to live as pilgrims of yore. Aid wishes for the cloths of heaven, wrote Yeats. Had I the heavens embroidered cloths, and wrought with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths of night and light and the half-light, I would spread the cloths under your feet. But I, being poor, have only dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. We dream to get back to walking the Camino. I, being poor... Have only my dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. One of my previous guests, the Argentinian-born pilgrim Lilia Mooney, who's now a college professor in the United States, we talked about the pandemic and what's happening in Spain right now, and Lilia said, Dan, the Camino is resting. Our poor souls yearn to be back, and we can only dream. My guest this week is an American writer and blogger. Meg Maloney's new book is attracting five-star reviews on Amazon. Meg's on the line from California. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm honoured to be your guest tonight. 
Before we talk about the Camino and your journey, I want to start with the title of your book. It's called Slow Your Roll, Ruminations and Reflections on My Walk Across Spain. What does slow your roll mean? That's a great question. Well, uh, I think that as any pilgrim that has uh, walked any of the Caminos, they know that uh, by just slowing down and decelerating your pace of life, you can really take in uh, all the, it gives you time to think and take in the surroundings and just reflect on where your life is now and things that maybe you want to dream and and look forward to in the future. Mm. It was uh, also happens to be a song that I listened to over and over and over again as I was walking the Camino, a song called Slow Your Roll by Brothers Osborne, which is uh, a band, a country band. It's a, a duo of brothers, obviously Brothers Osborne. And it just spoke to me about um, just trying to slow down and mm. try to just take each step. And I think that we all live in such a fast-paced world that it's hard to do that sometimes. But by by slowing down, it really made a difference in my life and how mm. I could experience the Camino. You studied in Spain years ago. Um, we might say how long ago. But yeah, ta- it was, no, it was my junior, my junior year in, in college. Right, yes, yeah, I did. Yeah. So take us through how the Camino came into your life. How did you find out about it? Well, interestingly enough, I hadn't really known about the Camino when I was living in, in Madrid. And it wasn't until, so I walked the Camino in 2019 and maybe 10 years prior, my sister-in-law was going to be walking the Camino. And that was the first time I had really become aware of it. And when she described it, you know, kind of a a walking pilgrimage and spiritual nature and, um, you know, the adventure and being in Spain, it was like, wow, that sounds, that sounds like right up my alley. And, and ever since then, I, I'd really thought that that was something I wanted to do. But um, at that point, I'd had children and I was right in the midst of raising three children and it wasn't, it wasn't feasible for me to, 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 to do that. So um, a couple of years after I became an empty nester is, is when it, the opportunity kind of presented itself and I just jumped at the chance. The book is about your journey, which in many ways was a solo pilgrimage, but it ended up being far from a solo journey. I read one of the many five-star reviews. It said the book's not just about the author's journey, but becomes all about our journeys through life. We can walk alone or we can walk with others. Each of our experiences is unique and ultimately made more meaningful by the connections made along the way. We are all on a Camino somewhere. Let the spirit of Buen Camino guide you. You know, I, I thought that was a very good review, but it's also, isn't it, a great intention? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree with that. And, um, you know, and everybody that that goes on the Camino has their own story, their own story to share and make their own connections. And, and it, it's really, it's really fabulous and interesting to, to meet pilgrims along the way and hear their stories and hear who they've connected to. And 
it, I, I found that one of the most, you know, rewarding parts of the Camino, not only for having the time for myself to kind of figure out where I am at this point in my life, kind of, but also to hear what brought people from all over the world to the Camino, what drives them and mm-hmm. what was it that was the inspiration for them to be on this journey? You know, whether it was couples or a couple of families that I met or people um, by themselves, young people, old people, people walking, you know, for their umpteenth time. It was, that was, that was to me, was the, the best part of the Camino. Did you walk with a particular intention, Meg? That's a good question. Um, really, I think the intention was, I think I was just so excited to be doing something that I had thought about for 10 years, a dream of mine that I, and I really cherished the idea of being on my own and not responsible for anybody else but me along the way mm. and really having the time to reflect on where my life is at now, what I've accomplished up to up to this point, and what do I want to do for, for the rest of my life? And, you know, those are big questions, not, not that I answered all of those questions, but I really liked having the idea that I would have that time just to have no other distractions along the way. If you cast your mind back now, were you nervous? Were you excited? Did you did you do a like did you did you do a stack of research? Did you know where you're going to stay every night? What was it like? The preparation. Um, I wasn't nervous. I was really excited. Um, and in in the meantime, in those ten years, you know, leading up to when I went, so my son, um, during his junior year of college, he had an opportunity to go, also go study in Madrid, and I said to him oh my gosh, you should stay and do the Camino. And um, he said, okay, didn't know anything about it, but he's super game for anything. And um, so it was after, he, he had an amazing experience. And when he, so that was four years before I walked my, my Camino. So I got to talk to him about it and, and kind of get an idea about, you know, his Camino was very different than, than mine, but um, I was not nervous. I was just more excited it's a it's it's a sort of nervous excitement though isn't it because you you kind of don't really know what to expect i wonder if you can remember what your expectations were and whether the camino met them met those expectations i i think that they i was i was excited for the opportunity i i love adventure i love surprises i love meeting people so i i think that i thought that the camino was going to be you know great but it far exceeded my expectations. Mm. It was spectacular, life-changing, and, and um, it, it also, it, it was kind of funny how it all started with even this book. I mean, and, and how that even came about, that was just, was, would never started the Camino thinking that I would ever write a book. That was yeah. like the last thing that I thought about. Yeah, I'll go, I want to get to that in a little while. Um, but slow your roll, the book is a snapshot of life as a pilgrim. But before we get to the book, how do you describe the Camino to people who ask about it? You just said there it was life-changing and, and fantastic. But, but how do you describe it to people? How do you sum it up? 
I think that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, cause people that haven't been, you know, they're so curious about it. Um, I, I, I basically just say, you know, that, um, it, you can do it, you know, as fast or slow as you want. It's not, you don't have to do all of it. You can do part of it. There's different Caminos, but that it's a chance to, um, have time on your time on your own or go with a friend and um really if you allow yourself to really gives you time to do some inner reflection and and also see an amazing countryside meet yeah. amazing spaniards and meet people along the way so you know it's 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 hard to until you actually do it. I think to really explain how kind of unique it is because it's not like just going on a hike around your home. You know, like in the Marin Headlands, which we were talking about um, before you before the Camino. But it, it's so different um, in that you know everybody is walking in the same direction. You just don't have that experience in your everyday life. Usually, you have people <laughs> coming the other direction. This everybody is walking in the same direction has the same collective goal to get to Santiago. And there's something really powerful about that, that, that you just can't get anywhere else. Mm. Yeah. I, I think in, in the 200 plus interviews I've done, the one thing pilgrims talk about is an energy on the Camino. Did you, yes. did you find that? And how did you put that into words? Well, yes, I think the energy is so unique there in that, A, like I said, just said, everybody has the collective goal of getting to Santiago together. Yeah. So there's this, like, looking out for one another, looking out for other pilgrims, helping them along their way. If, you know, if they have a blister or an ailment and helping them find, you know, how they can, you know, get help there. Or if they don't have accommodations, helping them with that or... Um, I think that people just have a, more of an outward energy. They're not so like myopic and thinking about themselves or self-centered. They're really thinking about other people, other pilgrims. There's an outwardness that, that I have never experienced before that is so refreshing and just makes you just believe in the kindness of human beings. And I think that is the, that is the unique part for me of the Camino and, and uh, like for so many pilgrims that they've described the same thing that you just, uh, we, how many times have I said to other pilgrims or somebody else has said, you know, gosh, if the, if the world were just run by pilgrims, we would all yeah. be a better world. Yeah. And there is that, as I said in the introduction, that opportunity to perhaps be your best self. Mm-hmm. Um, and take a little bit of that home with us as well, if if we can, which is really important. So the book is called uh, Slow Your Roll. Tell us about the writing process. Um, have you written books before? Or when did you realise that this there was a book? Or were you taking were you writing a blog as you walked? Tell us all about writing Slow Your Roll. Well, it, like I said, it, I never intended to write a book or. Uh, so how it happened is I, when I decided to go on the Camino, I knew that I wanted to bring my phone basically just for taking pictures 
and maybe occasionally um, checking, you know, on Wi-Fi and, and checking in at home. Um, but I really wanted to kind of disconnect myself from social media or anything and wasn't planning on posting pictures. But I knew that people were going to want to, you know, my friends at home or family wanted to know what was going on. So I thought, well, a friend had suggested, why don't I write a blog? And I'm like, well, I don't know, I'll, maybe. So, I, But I, I set one up and thought, well, maybe occasionally I'll write on the blog. But I also had a, a journal that I was writing in. So I started in the beginning writing on the blog every day and my journal. And it just became a habit that every day I started writing my blog and including pictures. And then I started getting feedback from people like, oh, we love your blog. You know, what what's going to happen next, you know, type of yeah, thing. Yeah. And so I kept, I ended up writing the blog every day of my 39 days of walking because I walked all the way to Finisterra. Um, and I got some really nice feedback. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and anyway, so that was over and I got home and then... Bob Makla, who is the editor of my book, um, we went to college together and he's a beautiful writer and has a career in writing. And he had walked the Camino maybe six years before me and um, before I had. And he had followed my blog and he had said, you know, I feel like there's a book in you somewhere about this. Mm. And I just kind of disregarded his comment. And then, I don't know, maybe like a month after I'd gotten home, I was kind of curious about the comment because people kept at home, kept saying how much they liked my blog. And so I emailed him and I said, what do you, what do you think? What are you talking about, about this book? Mm. And he lives in Austin. I live in California. And I happened to be going down to, to Southern California for a wedding that very same weekend. He was coming out to that same at one town over from that town in Southern California for some work event. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just meant to be. And we decided to meet there. We <laughs> talked for 45 minutes and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to try to write this book. No, I've never written a book before, but um, he, he was great in um, helping me along the way. I would bounce ideas off of him. And, uh, you know, if I was writing something, he'd say, okay, I think you can do better than that. You know, I think you can, uh, describe that better or just go deeper into that thought or, so it was, it was kind of like having a, a counselor along the way. And, um, it was a really amazing process. I started, I got home from the Camino in July of 2019. I started writing in September of 2019 and finished my first draft May of 2020, and then it was published in September of 2020. And do you remember what the feeling was like when it was published, when you held it in your hand? When that, that... It, was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It's like, wow, this is, this is who would have thought. And yeah. um, it, it's been pretty gratifying. And it's, it's been such a surprise to... Um, the feedback that I've gotten has been just such such a surprise. I, I, I mean, so many people have emailed me or 
texted me. Obviously, family and friends have, have read it, and it's been uh, just a, a really positive experience. And then there have been some people, of course, that I don't know and pilgrims that um, have reached out, and I've just been pleasantly surprised that they seem the book somehow has resonated with them. Yeah, that's the best part about it, I'm sure, um, that yeah. you're touching other people's hearts and souls around the world. Uh, you write about the power of relationships, particularly on the Camino. Uh, what did you learn from other pilgrims, do you think? I think that, well, one of the beauties about us all being on the same path together is that I know it's human nature to judge one another, but I think that it, it, it's really a great environment to be in where people generally just don't judge one another, that, mm. that they, they accept one another for who they are. And you're not basing that on you know, where you're from or what you do or what you're wearing or who you're with. Or it, There's something really... Um, just so refreshing about being with a group of people who just seem so accepting and and welcoming and non-judgmental. I, I think that that's a really great lesson that we it, we could all we could all learn yeah. to use in our everyday lives. And given that you learned that um, from other people, what did you learn about yourself? My child-rearing years, it's been a lot of, um, you know, routines and, and schedules and organization. And, and by nature, I, I think that that is something that comes easily to me. But I really like the idea of being a little freer and more spontaneous and maybe exploring other parts that are not so kind of scheduled. It's not easy, though, is it? No, uh, not in every not not in the, not when you come back. No, no, well, exactly. Living the non-pilgrim life. <laughs> no, that's it. But you see, that's what I find. Sometimes I shake my head and think, "Oh, it doesn't matter. Why are you so worried about that?" Um, yeah. You know, take a pilgrim's kind of attitude to it, and as soon yeah. as you do take the time, as soon as you do slow your roll, <laughs> you think, yeah. "Oh, wait a minute. Oh, you know what? It doesn't matter." Why am I so stressed yeah. out about it? You know, the world's a, well, not necessarily the world, but, you know, the, everything happens for a reason and, and there are so many things that we can't control. I think we worry far too much about it. That's one of the great things about the Camino and you talked very early on about freedom and, and, and the opportunity to sort of live a little freer on the Camino and make decisions for yourself without having to worry about other people. I think that's a great lesson to learn. Well, yeah, and I think that it can be so easy to, you know, schedule up your time too, when because, you know, there's lots to do, right? There's lots to or people to see or whatever. But I think one thing that I feel that I I really have made a concerted effort and change in that I really try to allow more free time and less kind of scheduled time, mm. so it leaves more room for spontaneity and just space, space to um, just, you know, who knows what's going to come up when you have that space. You know, yeah. what 
whatever, whether it's creativity or just reflection or just, just having some time so that you, you're not so, so busy that you're, you have no, no time to allow any of that to seep in. <laughs> Were you conscious while you walked um, of the history of the Camino? Um, and, and I suppose I should ask you if you're a religious person, did you spend a lot of time in churches? I, I would say that I am a spiritual person, mm-hmm. um, and definitely very spiritual. I, we raised our children in a Catholic church, but as I say in my book too, I, um, I don't, I don't feel that I am a staunch Catholic. There's so many things that I don't agree with. Mm. Um, but I feel spiritual and I just, yes, I did spend a lot of time in, in churches every day at the end of my walk, I would find the nearest church and go in and say a prayer of gratitude for helping my body, you know, get to my next destination and watching over me. And, you know, just, I was so grateful to have this opportunity, you know, to, to walk the Camino. So I, I'm very, uh, I'd say I'm very spiritual and I speak, I, I have my own relationship with God, not necessarily as it's dictated, say, by the Catholic Church. Mm, great answer. That's a great answer. Now, let's talk a little bit about the, the nuts and bolts of, of your journey. Did you stay in albergues? I did stay in some albergues. Um, I had a, a different um, kind of trip, I guess, you know, I was in a minority. There were pilgrims that did it my way, but, um, so my, my son, when he did his Camino, he was like, you know, 90% of the pilgrims, he carried everything on his back and he went to where he wanted every day and found lodging. And, and I, and that was fabulous. And he had a great time. And, and when I thought about doing the Camino at my age, um, uh, I was 55, and I had had some back issues, um, and I just worried about carrying everything on my back, and really thought, you know, hard about how I wanted to do this. And I thought, well, the walking is really the most important, and so I opted to pre-book lodging. So just I had a room. So I had a goal every day of where I was going to go. Yeah. So it took the spontaneity out of the trip, but I, I knew that going into it, that, that I was willing to kind of give that up. And I carried, you know, it wasn't like a, a fanny pack. I carried a, a pack, but it wasn't everything on my back. So I did have, um, a small suitcase that was transported every day. So duffel or whatever. So, um, and and that, that worked for me, you know, so, um, I, I, I'm not sure I would do it exactly the same way the next time. I, I don't know, but, um, it's cause sometimes maybe I would have liked to stay a little longer in some of the places, but you know, that is just how it was. And it, like I said, it worked, it worked fine for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I think walking on your own, sometimes you're meeting other people you can sort of you can be led astray sometimes you can be led indeed to places that you didn't necessarily find yourself going but what about the actual trekking itself Meg did you find the going tough how did you cope with the physical challenge 
of a 500 mile or plus because you walked to Finisterre pilgrimage. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, it was definitely had, I definitely had my challenging days. I mean, I, the, the most I'd ever walked before the longest and I'm, I'm in pretty good shape and I hike and I play tennis and run and, and, but, um, I, the longest hike I'd ever done, I think was somewhere between nine and 12 miles. Right. And I had done that one time, one time. So, you know, and I think the thing that's hard for somebody that hasn't done the Camino to understand is that I think, you know, most of us could do a nine to 15 mile hike in a day. That's, and then you kind of recover, you might have a week or <laughs> however long to recover. But the, the challenge is, is day after day after day of these long hikes and, and some of the walking is hard to negotiate with. I remember some of the days of, you know, having to negotiate big rocks or, you know, steep inclines or as, as you know, you've walked it, what, twice? Is that right? Yeah. 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 So I think that the day after day after day, um, was something I, I, I don't think it was the distance that, that, was daunting to me. I think the thing that was challenging for me was one, I got, uh, all of a sudden had a knee issue. I've never had a knee issue in my life. And that was pretty difficult, um, going downhill. Uh, and then I also developed some, some pretty nasty blisters, which was, was very painful, but Thank God I, there was a friend of mine from home who had walked the Camino and she suggested right before I left, you might want to pack some hiking tivas just in case as a backup. And thank God I did because I would not have been able to do the Camino without those. So I did not have a rest day until day 30. And um, I wouldn't have been able to, to do it with my blisters without those hiking tivas. What did you call them? I don't. What what is it? A hiking what, Meg? Uh, oh, the brand of shoe was a Teva, T E V A. Oh, okay. Hiking Tevas. They Tevas. just look like, yeah. They're just you know they look like the they have kind of the two strap open toed sandals. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, and with I wore socks and they were fabulous. I mean, I was on like big rocks and, um, you know, all sorts of terrain. I was in the rain with them. I mean, I just. It was amazing how they saved me. Did, so. did you ever get stones between your foot and the the, the sole? Because they're uh, open. Sometimes, sometimes, and you just stop and shake them out. But it it really, they really just were not. They were they were unbelievable. There you go. I mean, yeah. So they should they should be like the sponsor for the Camino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so so you've made your way uh, 500 miles or almost 500 miles. Tell us about arriving in Santiago. Well, so I should mention, so I started the Camino myself um, at Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port, and I ended up, uh, and then once I got to Saria, my husband, Tom, came to meet me. And then we walked the last couple of days in Santiago, and then we went on to Finisterra together. So um, that was a whole, that was a whole nother thing, element to my Camino because it all of a sudden went from a solo Camino to uh, having my husband join me. And I, 
you know, there, there were a whole set of emotions about that as well. So, you know, I, he, he was amazing when he came to the Camino because I was kind of conflicted. How is this going to be? I've been by myself for 30 days. And is he going to, you know, slow me down? Is he going to, you know, be at such a different pace? And, and is he going to want to stop every, you know, hour to get something to yeah, eat? Because yeah, yeah. a lot of times I, I wouldn't feel like I needed to. You know, just all those questions. As, as much as I was excited to see him, it not, it's not that. It's just that it was a different... Just, I was just questioning how is that going to work out. And when he came, he was amazing. He just kind of slipped in. He just kind of knew that it was like, quote unquote, my Camino. And he was just kind of along for the ride. And he just fell right into pace and was met all my friends. And everybody had heard about Tom. And he's really a fun, charismatic guy. And so everybody loved him right away. And um, it was really special to have him there as we walked in into Santiago, you know, so, um, it was, I had met a, a friend named Debbie on my, I think my 12th or 14th day, um, on the Camino. And we ended up becoming good friends. We never walked together, but we decided we would meet up at night. And then we decided we would walk together the very last day into Santiago. So Tom, Debbie, and I went into Santiago together. And Tom filmed Debbie and I as we entered. And it was just a surreal moment, as you know from personal experience, just with the bagpipes playing and seeing all these different people just, you know, jumping for joy or hurling, you know, their bikes up into the air there's you know the bikers or people on their knees and kissing the ground or you know mothers hugging their children and just mm. it was as you know it's just I, I i was i was completely speechless just taking it all in yeah just so joyful yeah mm-hmm. yeah it is joyful and yet there's a little just a little thought isn't there i don't want it to be over well, right. I mean, I think I knew that I was going on to Finisterra, but um, the thing that I was sad about was that so many people that it, were such a part of my Camino weaving in and out as I would run into them, you know, every few days, I knew that most of them I was never going to see again, yeah. or at least not not on my Camino. And um, that that was so, so bittersweet. Yeah. But, but thankfully, I, I have kept in touch with, you know, maybe like eight, eight people that were part of my Camino, which is fabulous. So Yeah, how wonderful. Tell us about John the Irishman. John the Irishman, he, he's such a sweet soul. He, he, he was uh, walking himself and he carried a little like ukulele on his backpack. And um, I first heard him singing... Um, at the winery in the region of La Rioja. And we, we had gone since there, we were in the region known for their wineries. We decided to go, I decided to go check out the winery. And there he was with a group of people and they were all out on this, gra- you know, grassy lawn. And he was playing his guitar and singing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was a beautiful, the sun had finally come out after several days of clouds. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just a beautiful, perfect day. And what a beautiful, perfect voice. And he's such a sweet guy. And um, I kept running into him. And so I would run into him and we would generally see each other in, in the evening and he would play his music and just, you know, bring joy to all the pilgrims that sat around him. And he uh, was also there unexpectedly to me the day that I got into Santiago and him sitting in the square singing his song is just such a beautiful memory for me. And then later that night, sitting around a table with a bunch of pilgrims, just singing all, we were all singing. We were all so happy. We're in Santiago. And it was just a, it was just a beautiful, it's a beautiful memory for me. Oh, and he also, I saw him in Finisterra as well. Mm. And when we got to Finisterra, um, went down to the beach and had a big campfire with all these pilgrims and again, he was singing, and so <laughs> he was there at some very, you know, important moments uh, on my Camino. What's one word you'd use to sum up the Camino? Oh, Dan, that's a tough one. <laughs> one word. <laughs> um, what's the first? What's the first word that comes into your mind when I say Camino de Santiago? Well, the first word that is joyful. That's the first word that comes to my mind, but... There you go. Joyful. Yeah. 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 Do you think you found what you were looking for, Meg? I'm not sure that I answered all the, you know, important life, you know, questions that I was maybe seeking on the Camino, but um, I, I feel like it just opened my eyes to a part of myself that I'm... I'm I'm happy to explore, and I also really would like to, the minute that I got back from the Camino, I knew that I wanted to return. I wanted to return and, and somehow give back, like give help, um, be part of the Camino for other pilgrims. And I actually interviewed um, for a position in Ribadiso to stay at a, an albergue there and be like a welcoming pilgrim, mm. which is, it's right outside of uh, Arzua. Mm. And so I'd just gone through the interview process and this is in March. <laughs> oh. I, I was hoping to go over for two weeks in August of 2020 and clearly uh, that didn't happen. So my hope is that when they open up those programs again, I will reapply and hope that I can go and, and be part of that program because I would really love to give back. Uh, is there another book, do you think? It, it, would you go with the intention to potentially write another book? Would you blog again, do you think? Uh, I mean, maybe I would bl- blog again. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I think I'm, I'm not making any plans to do that. I'll have to see what develops, mm. but... Um, yeah, I really did enjoy the process of, of writing the book. Um, but I think that, you know, uh, that was a story to tell. I guess I'd have to uh, evaluate if I felt like there was, a, you know, another story yeah. that I felt that was worthy to tell mm. or not. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us a Camino mm-hmm. story. 
Well, um, you know, the pilgrims that talk about how, you know, there's, it's a Camino thing where things just seem to happen Mm. on the Camino where like kind of magical things, whether you have signs or you meet people or something special to you happens. And it's, it's unbelievable, unbelievable that if you're open to signs where you can see something that means something to you, that, that happens for so many pilgrims as it did to me. But, but, um, I would say that a Camino story for me might be, um, on day 12 of walking for me, I was walking. It was, it was quite a slog. I was walking. It was about an 18 mile walk to Burgos and it was a tough, as you may remember, mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a tough day in that not only is, you know, 18 miles, but, um, uh, the very end of the walk is not scenic and pretty. You're walking through the very industrial parts of the big, big city. And it's the, and it's kind of the first, I mean, you've been to Pamplona, but that's a quaint, that's a beautiful, charming city. But Burgos, I believe, is the, the, the largest city on the Camino. Um, and so anyway, so it's kind of a, a brutal last several miles. And it happened to be kind of a hot day. And there was big, you know, big trucks. And that I was having to listen. It was, you know, it was not peaceful and beautiful walking. And I just was exhausted. And my knee was hurting and my blisters were hurting. And I had changed out of my hiking boots into my Tevas. And I just was kind of tired and a little bit cranky and just ready to <laughs> go put my pack, you know, take my pack off and get cleaned and, and just kind of, I don't know, just been kind of a tough day for me. And anyway, so I'm getting close to where I'm supposed to be staying and I'm about to cross this busy street. And I just happened to look to my right and there was this young pretty pilgrim, this young woman. Um, and she just looked kind of tired <laughs> like me and she looked lost and she just, you know, she just did not look happy. And so I turned to her and I said, can I, can I help you with something? And she's like, I, I'm lost. I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm supposed to be staying here tonight. She pointed to an address and she didn't speak Spanish and, and, I speak Spanish. And so I said, well, let me see if I can help you. And so I asked a passerby, you know, one of the locals where this particular place was. And he explained where it was. And it was probably about another mile away. And she just seemed so kind of tired and lost. And she was younger. She, was, she seemed like she could be my daughter. And so I said, here, let me, let me just walk with you to where you're going. And I'll just make sure you get there okay. So... We, we walked and we chatted and she was an American. And, um, so I asked her, so, so, you know, where are you from in the States? And she said, oh, I'm from Colorado. And I said, oh, well, my, my son is from Colorado. What, what part of Colorado are you from? She said, I'm from Boulder. And I said, no way. I said, my son lives in Boulder. <laughs> and, and I said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, yeah, my, my son, his name is, you know, Jackson Maloney. And she goes, no way. Oh my God. I just met Jackson at a party. And it was, she literally just met him at a mutual friend's birthday party. No. And so it was, Uh. it was 
unbelievable. Like just here we were all the way in Spain and, and this person knew Jackson. And so we chatted along the way and, and she got to her place and, um, we've kept in touch. She is just darling. She's, and she, uh, was really, really sweet. She read my book and she said she really liked it. And, uh, anyway, we, we hope to meet again one day. So that was, it was kind of a wonderful, if I had not happened to look to my right, this never would have happened. What a small world. That is absolutely fantastic. Oh my gosh. And she would have, I'll bet that she would have just been so grateful to run into you on the side of the road. (laughs) Well, it was just, it was just one of those things. I just felt like it was meant to be, like we were meant to meet one another and, and it just, um, it really lifted my spirits from, from what had been kind of a long, arduous day. And I just felt like, oh, okay, well, this, this is really such a po- positive, you know, gift. And that's what I took away from the day, you know, mm. rather than, than focusing on the negative, um, I just thought, wow, that was really a gift for that day. So yeah. I'm very, I was very thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Meg, how lovely. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. The book has a a five-star rating on Amazon, so you must be doing something, right? Oh, thank you. It's called Slow Your Roll, Ruminations and Reflections on My Walk Across Spain. And it's full of stories like about John the Irishman and about the young lady that you met in Burgos. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I should say congratulations um, oh, thank you, Dan. On, on, on what you've been able to achieve. You set out on a journey of discovery in a sense um, and a journey to find space and time, and it certainly sounds like you found it. Um, and that's, I think, reason for celebration. So congratulations. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me and to join me and my listeners on our journey. And thanks for well, the thank blessings you. of your work. Buen Camino. Thank you, Buen Camino, and thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Dan, and it's really been a pleasure. So thank you so much. My guest this week was Meg Maloney, a writer based in Northern California. The book is called Slow Your Roll, Ruminations and Reflections on My Walk Across Spain. It's available right now on Amazon. Do yourself a favour. <laughs> I go back to W.D. Yeats and Aid Wishes for the Cloths of Heaven. I, being poor, have only dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. Keep dreaming, pilgrims. Keep devoting, praying, caring, and most importantly, keep walking. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino.
ship de-stressed Take yourself a deep breath and watch it go up and smoke Slow Harder than you think to do nothing. You wanna do nothing right. You're gonna slow your roll. Slow your roll. It's a downshift, deep stress. Take yourself a deep breath. Watch it go up and smoke. Slow.